to hear more from the Josephs uh, here in just a little bit, but uh, I want to just pause and, and even just play off of that song. Uh, so many of you were here last week, I thought, when we uh, looked at the verse out of Colossians that talks about let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. And that fits in perfectly with that idea because it means let God's word be thoroughly at home in your life. And not just in your life personally, that's where it's got to start. You've got to give him access to all of your heart, your life. But it was in the plural, let the word of Christ richly dwell within y'all. Or ye, all y'all, maybe. In other words, it has to be dwelling as we live together. And that's, that's the beauty, I think, of this, this idea we have of, of Roundup Breakfast, coming, pulling together because home, we find that in our families, ultimately it's found in Christ and that relationship with him. But while we live in this world, there's a sense in which he calls the place where we gather with other believers home for us. It should be that place where we come together because we've been made one with those others who are with us. And so I just want to do a brief overview of, of a statement in our church documents that we probably haven't utilized like we ought to. It's called our purpose statement. And uh, I'm going to have Emily just put that up on the screen there. Um, we actually adopted this just 13 years ago, which I know that seems a while ago, but we've been around for 60 plus, I think, now. So um, when you, cut, you, you choose a purpose statement, you try to word things in a way that kind of encapsulates what you're about. And that's kind of what home is, is about too, right? Who are we? What is our family about? And so... Uh, we, we narrowed down here to the purpose of the Cardwell Community Church is to glorify God by being and making disciples of Jesus Christ by the grace of God. And I just want to walk through some of those phrases just briefly to remind us as we say, ah, oh, it's time to, to remember who we are. What, what are those, those things? Just starting off with the fact that we are a church. Church in the Bible means a gathering, an assembly. So it's a pulling together of those who are in Christ, those who have recognized that they are sinners and deserve condemnation, deserve the wrath of God, and that have, have been told and realized and believed that God loved them so much that he sent his son to take that punishment on himself, to come to live a perfect life and to have our sin all placed on him and then have that punishment poured out on him as Jesus did on the cross and then rose again so that he could then offer that gift to all who would entrust themselves to him, would believe in him. That's where it starts. But then church is the assembling together, the gathering together of people who are like that. When Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, he started off by kind of reminding them who they were. And they, needed, they really needed the reminder. They were having some difficult times. Uh, but in, in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 3, he says, To the church, or the assembly of God, which is at Corinth. Ah, so it exists in a particular location, right? Where the church in Cardwell. But to those who have been sanctified or set apart for his purposes, sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints or ones made holy, right, holy ones, by calling with all who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
their Lord and ours. That's what a church is. It's the gathering together of the people that are described there. Ones who have been redeemed, brought to be in Christ. But what, what's the, what, when you boil it down just to the bare necessities, why do we exist? What's our purpose? What are we here for? And according to our purpose, we decided it's to glorify God. Well, where do we get that? Well, I'm only going to give you a little bit of where we get it. But we'd be here for a long time. But when uh, Paul was writing to the Corinthians, they, they had lots of struggles and difficulties. And, and they were trying to figure out how to live in a culture where people worshipped idols. Uh, people offered sacrifices to false gods and did unspeakable immoralities in that worship. How do you live in that kind of a culture? And they're like, well, do we, should we eat the things that have been sacrificed? Should, how do we participate in our culture, our society? And, and there's a lot that goes into that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. But then he gave them a principle that applies to every area of life. In verse 31 when he says, Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So that's it. Whatever you do, the question to ask yourself is, what I'm doing, does it glorify God? Does it show him to be great as he is. See, we can't add to God's glory, but we can draw attention to it. We can clear away the, the, the things that get in people's way, recognizing how amazing and awesome and gracious and, and merciful and strong our God is. And that's our, our should be our goal individually, but also as, as a church body, as a church gathering together. How do we let the people who are here and the people who aren't here know God is overwhelmingly awesome and amazing. How, how do we live a life that they say, what happened to you? I know what you used to be like, right? I know what I want to be like, and, and you don't do what I want to be like. But then in other ways, I want to be like what you are. Who is this God that you know? So ultimately... Well, the first question we ought to ask when we choose to participate in anything in our lives, in our society, when we have a meeting or a gathering, when we have a, a Bible study, when we, have a, we get together with someone, how will I glorify God in this? How will I show him to be amazing and great and awesome? And it's a great place to start, right? Because we do lots of things. Sometimes we get lost in the process of why are we here? What are we doing this for? Well, here's a simple question. Will it glorify God? How will we glorify God in this? Matter of fact, when Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he told about what the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit did for our redemption in chapter 1. And I'll leave that to you to read later. But after he mentioned what each one of the, of the members of the Trinity did, he then said he did it to the praise of his glorious grace. Why did he save us? Why were we given the Holy Spirit? Why are we given this new life? It's to the praise of his glorious grace, so that in all that we do who have been saved, we would show him to be amazing, to be awesome, to be all that we have a hard time even comprehending. That's 
the purpose. It's not to draw attention to ourselves. If that's what we do, we've missed it. But if we're saying, ah, look at what a great God I have, we're getting there. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul has a prayer in chapter 3. And in that prayer, he prays that the Ephesians would understand the power of God and that it would be at work in their lives. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. Having prayed for that power to be working in their lives, then he says, and I pray that you'll be able to comprehend with all the, all the saints, all those who have believed, his amazing love. And then he finishes off that prayer with verses 20 and 21. And it ties into this key point of why we exist. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Is our purpose too small? No. No. Our desire is that 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 glory would be his completely and for all time in everything. You notice all those extreme words there? He means it. And we have a part. He's privileged us with that part in our gathering as this Cardwell Community Church, but also with all believers everywhere who are in Christ. But how do we go about that? It's nice to say, okay, well, is this going to bring glory to God or not? But how did Jesus want us to do it? Well, we we said in our statement here, well, we're going to glorify God by being, and we'll skip the next part, but disciples. What's a disciple? Well, when Jesus called the 12 who were called his disciples, what did he usually say when he wanted them to come? Yeah, follow me. He'd approach them, he said, follow me. That didn't just mean go for a walk, right? But he asked them to come and live with him and know him and observe him and hear him teach and be taught and, and, and encouraged and rebuked and, and directed by him, right? So come and learn and know and understand this Jesus who is God. That's how we begin First of all, we entrust ourselves to him to save us. But then we get to know him. We let his word richly dwell within us and among us and through us as we then live. That's how we start. In fact, Jesus put it this way in John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28. Let me get back to the whole whole context there. But he, he pictured us as sheep and himself as the shepherd, right? And he says, here's what that relationship looks like. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Catch that intimate relationship that Jesus says being his disciple is? Knowing his voice. Think about that and and all that it means for a shepherd to go out and call and 
have the sheep come after him and know him. But it's day in, day out, richly giving life to the sheep. That's what he calls us to, that kind of a relationship. And I don't know, does anybody have one? Is there anybody here that owns one sheep? Just one? Just one? Tend to come in herds, right? Come together. And they have a culture and they have a, a way of, of living and acting, right? That's us. It's not, all, it's not all complimentary either, by the way. But Jesus is the good shepherd who really cares for us. But Jesus also pictured our life with him as he is a vine and we are branches. Uh, you're probably, if you're like me, this is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is John chapter 15 where, where Jesus lays that out. He says, I am the true vine, verse 5, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So he says, our, our relationship with you is one where you're just, you, you draw your life from me. You live and you flourish. You produce fruit because you're connected to me. And you're knowing me. And that shows the connection when you produce that fruit, right? When you show Jesus' character in the way you live day by day, when we demonstrate it amongst ourselves and show love to one another, it demonstrates that as well. But then also, as he goes down into verse 8, he says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And so it's, it's a relationship with an outcome, with a result, right? And so that's what we're called, first of all, is to be disciples. But, but it's not to hold it, hold it in for ourselves, right? Oh, this is mine for me to enjoy, for our little bunch, for us to enjoy. But in fact, he wants us to take that out everywhere. Because as, as our statement says, by being and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Because not everyone knows him, right? Not everyone has forgiveness. Not everyone has that gift of eternal life. And some have come to know him, but don't know much about him. Don't know how, how do we walk this walk with him? How do we live our life with him? And so he calls on us to make disciples. In fact, probably the most common place we would find that Matthew 28, right? As Jesus was ready to ascend into heaven, in verses 18 through, through 20, he says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so in boiling things down in that, that section, there's really one command. It's the command, make disciples, which is kind of a hard thing to get into English because we can't make anyone be a disciple, can we? It's discipling, you could say. Be discipling. Be helping others follow Jesus. Be helping others nurture that relationship and walk with him. Be 
helping others learn how to get along with each other in the body of Christ and show love and serve one another. That's what he called us to. All the other things um, are participles, which just means they tell us how. Oh, well, yeah, by going or having gone. You got to be where people are, right? By teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, by baptizing them, helping them to make their faith public, making a distinct declaration, I belong to Jesus, right? Those are the three ways that, that Jesus told us to go about making disciples. And so truth, God's truth, again, comes back again, doesn't it? That word of Christ that's to dwell in us richly. In fact, Paul told Timothy, the young man he was discipling and nurturing along to the point where Timothy became one of the key leaders in, in the church. In 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, put it this way. 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4. And though these words are, you know, from one leader to another leader, they, they fit all of us because all of us are to be having a part in making disciples, in discipling bringing others along in their relationship with Jesus. And he said, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that they may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And so you see both aspects. One is the things you've heard from me, been taught by me, pass them on to others, who then will be able to pass them on to others, the implication being it just keeps going, right? It keeps going from one to the next to the next. So more and more know, more and more are, are discipled and learn how to live this life in Christ together. But notice he also calls on him to be with him in his suffering. To be a good soldier. To keep moving ahead even when things get difficult. And so making disciples says it's not all going to be easy. It's not all going to make perfect sense right away. Maybe not until we get to be with Jesus. Right? But keep on pushing forward because it is worth it. Life with Jesus, as we heard, that's what satisfies, right? And so we're called to glorify God, not only by being disciples, but by making others. When we have something that's worth sharing, guess what people say about our God? Oh, look what he does. Not just for those, that one weird little group, but for all who will come to him. It'll change their life and it'll empower them and give them Real life, abundant life. But we do it by the grace of God, right? We can't accomplish any of that in our own strength. As, as Jesus said you know, in John 15, without me, you can do nothing. But by his power and his strength, he can accomplish everything that he wants to through us. Everything that is good, right? And he prepares good works for us to walk in them. If you follow up those verses that Amy was talking about, being saved by grace, that's then just followed up 
by walking in good works which he has prepared beforehand, which will glorify him. And remember, we do it by his grace. Remember when he, when he gave the command, go make disciples? First he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And all authority means freedom to act. So in other words, anything that he calls us to do in order to go and make disciples, he is behind us, giving us the power, the ability to go and do that. And he doesn't just zap us with it and then say, go out there and go do that. At the end he says, no, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. His presence being with us, doing that. He doesn't just say, oh, go out there and I hope it goes well. No, I'm, I'm right in the middle of what you're doing when you seek to glorify God by being and making disciples of Jesus Christ by the grace of God. That's what Jesus is about. It's just saying, let's join him in what he is about because it brings him the greatest glory and it also brings us the greatest good. That's what we're about. Do we get lost a little bit in our daily working of that out? Yeah. Do we sometimes forget why we're here and what we're doing? Yeah. But we need to be reminded. We need to remind each other. And we need to dive into it. I, I, there's part of me that I like to say, and now we have this great program. And you sign up, and we will make a disciple of you. Nothing wrong with programs. But I don't have that to say to you. But I do say, look around the room. Look in front of you and back of you, around you. There are people who have been saved by the grace of God, gifted by the Holy Spirit to work in your life and change you. Oh, and then look at yourself, and you're one of those too, right? For in the lives of others. And we need to start remembering to come together, be with those people, be with people who can teach us God's word on a regular basis. This is great. Sunday morning's great. You need more than that. Some of you should be turning around and teaching others as well. Some of you are, and thank you. Some of you are helping. Some of you are walking alongside through difficult times. We keep that up. That's how you become a disciple, a follower together with others. So do that. If you, if you want to find, find a way to have a Bible study and you need some help, be happy to help you. There's a number of other people who would. If you want help in a, walking through a difficult time, I'd be happy to help you or point you to someone who can. Okay? But if that's the other thing about being a disciple. Nobody can make you be a disciple. It's up to you to say, I am going to passionately follow after Jesus. You know, as we sang after the baptism a few weeks back, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Let that be your prayer. Let's pray, and then we'll have uh, Josie return. Father, you are so good to us. Father, don't let us just file these words away to be forgotten, to say, oh, that was, that was a pleasant little thing to say or a nice little nap or whatever we might think about the things that I just said. But, Father, renew our spirit to follow after Jesus, to to, to love him, to pursue him and the life that he gives in his body, the people that, that he has saved to be with us. Father, continue just by your spirit to press us forward into being what you want us to be. 
and to reaching then out to others who don't have this huge blessing that you have given to us. We look forward to what you will accomplish in the days ahead. In Jesus' precious name, for his sake.